Hello, I'm Anna Bukitskaya. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. episode dandy's cabinet of curiosities does not last long and elsa mars's dreams come true today's episode titled curtain call is the finale of freak show and was written by <sighs> yeah was written by john j gray who i love coming deep diving into these people's IMDb's. So he was a long time executive assistant in AHS and then became a staff writer. And this is the second episode that he wrote. His first one was Bullseye, also in this season. And the episode was directed by Bradley Booker, who has come up over and over again and is a like, longtime collaborator and director for AHS. So this episode is mainly Dandy and Elsa. Shall we start with Dandy or Elsa? I feel like start with Dandy, because Dandy's kind of the first chapter, and I feel like Elsa's yeah. the second chapter. I think you're right. So let's start with Dandy, who rebrands the freak show as Dandy's Cabinet of Curiosities. He is the main star. He's going to sing some Cole Porter songs, and there's some new branding. <laughs> yes. He's yelling about lights. Because <laughs> yeah. the magenta light accentuates his spirited rendition yes. of Anything Goes. And the blue light represents the moonlight. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the freaks have also had enough of him, haven't they? Yeah, he's given off um very big uh Veruca Salt vibes. I mean, he's got very big sort of trust fund kits, sets up a shortage, marketing agency, and calls himself a creative director vibes. Yeah, send him down the, the golden goose shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's very abusive, absolutely no, doesn't know what he's doing, and the freaks quit. Yeah, they they beat the shit out of him. Good. <laughs> Excellent. And Paul absolutely reads him to rights, which I love. It's such a great scene. A read. And he says, you'll never be one of us. Yeah. And he... Well, Paul delivers the best insult of all. I think it's the best insult of all. The most hurtful one. Where he's like, you're boring. Oh, yeah, boring. Uh, uh, you're boring. And then he yeah. just walks away. <laughs> I love yeah. it. It's very good. It's excellent. We would probably guess what happens next. <laughs> yeah, Dante doesn't like it very much. And he he does a little. He does a few murders. Yep. The writers go. Ugh. 
fuck, it's the last episode. There's so many people left alive. What the fuck are we supposed to do? Just kill, <laughs> just kill everybody. Just, just, and he'll hum the Nutcracker, so it'll be like you know, spooky. Um, <sighs> one thing I want to say about this scene. Yes. He gets a headshot every single. Sorry, I know this is morbid. Mm-hmm. He headshot every single time. Um, that's really hard to do. That probably should have been a skill. So Dandy does have a skill. He's really good at shooting guns. I would want him on my Call of Duty team. <laughs> you headshot snipe every time. <laughs> so, like, we make fun and stuff, but I found this scene actually to be quite effective. It's very, it's very in cold blood. Like, it's genuinely in cold blood. Yeah, I think I would have if I... I just, I have always struggled to take this scene seriously because I can too easily see the cogs whirring. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, because it's the last episode and they, they're they lazy and they can't be bothered to write an ending so they just went dead just and everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I understand what you mean. I think the way that it's shot is chilling because it, he's very casual about it mm. and he's humming he's humming the little nutcracker theme. It actually really reminded me of um the first season when Tate, when we finally see Tate's um like high school massacre Yes Yeah, I found that that was more chilling I think well, yeah, because we the whole season kind of made us root for Tate, whether it's he or Dandy from the very first moment. It's not just unlikable. He's like a full-blown psychopath who has no impulse control whatsoever. He is only kind of chill and focused when he is literally massacring people. Yeah, and I guess like, like Dandy's character is more symbolic than he is rooted in any kind of reality, mm-hmm. you know, because what's so chilling about Tate is that there were parallels to to real life, you know, he kind of yes. fit the profile of a real life um, mass murderer, like Dandy, that, like, there's not a lot of, like, Dandy marks out there murdering people. Let's hope because, not. Well, usually they're so rich that they can just, you know, exploit people there to murder them. Mm. Um. So I th- does that make sense? It's like that this this scene is so much more operatic mm-hmm. and and heightened, and I still think it's there's a frightening element to it, but it is a little. It's like it's a little bit silly to me, and not necessarily in a negative way. Mm-hmm. But I I I've never been that like. Oh my god, moved by it. Intriguing. I mean, I don't know. I felt like cuz we've we've mentioned this a few times as we were talking through this about the season, but I had a very negative memory of the season and I hadn't rewatched it in I would even say probably since it aired. I don't think I've rewatched it since it aired. And I was I actually like felt myself really rooting for all the freaks and really 
developing like a, a a relationship with those characters where there's dandies both comical and psychopathic and also very hot which is problematic but <laughs> so actually this scene even though you know i knew was coming i had forgotten just visually how in cold blood it is and how much of the rest of the characters running away we see so like there's there's quite a few scenes of him literally like chasing down and and shooting them and point blank as opposed to just surprising them so so that's the bit that i found most impactful although i also you know see the the cogs in the machine but it i don't know it didn't make it any less effective for me maybe because i just i enjoyed the season so much more than i remembered it yeah i think i this is the thing i i don't want to make it sound like i i really love this season um and i love all the characters i think i think it's just like because <laughs> it's the last episode <laughs> I think it, it it's different that this is an anthology and mm. we kind of know this is the last time we're going to see everybody. Yeah. So does that make sense? And and cuz I I'm not saying it's not a criticism against the writing of the characters because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the characters who die in this scene have been really well written. I love Paul. I I think he's mm. one of my favorite characters of the yes. season. But when he died it was like well, it's the final season of a, of American. It's the final episode of an American Horror Story season. <laughs> it's probably gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean as well. Yeah, you're not. Your name's not Sarah Paulson, so you're probably not gonna make it out alive. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> but yeah, so there are a few people who make it out alive, though. So Desiree manages to escape. She hides, but. Yeah. Dandy kidnaps Bed and Dot and marries them. Yes. <laughs> and okay. he hires a flautist. And a harpist. I want to know their stories. What did they think was happening? <laughs> I think they were just in it for the cash, to be honest. <laughs> just another day in the life of me, the wedding flautist. <laughs> So yeah, so he, but he, uh, curiously, he only really marries Bet, doesn't he? He doesn't marry Dot. Yeah, because Bet was always the one that was sweet on him. Yeah, and Dot was the one that's like, I'll give you privacy when you bang. Oh, and he calls it our revels. (laughs) He's like, oh God, it'd be such a shame if you didn't, you know, occasionally want to partake in our revels. Listen. I'm going to go on the record here and say Dandy Mod has never had sex. Oh, nobody who calls it revels has, has any concept of what sex is. Nope, nope, nope. Dandy, oh my god. There's also this thing he says where he's like, oh, I want, I want, a stallion needs all his mares to be involved or something like that. It's, uh, stallion demands a certain respect from his mares. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good sign when you're calling yourself a stallion, my friend. Yeah, horse is a weird dude. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already having problems. Horses, <laughs> horses are weird animals. 
Why would you want? I would never want to be a horse. I was like, stop talking. And you were like, horses are weird. (laughs) Which which is just the perfect encapsulation of both of our minds. Where I'm like, oh yeah, like dudes talk a lot and don't do enough. And then you're like, horses are strange animals. (laughs) I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. No, you're right. I mean, I fell off a horse when I was a kid. I'm not going anywhere near them. They're fucking weird. They're fuck, and they've got the little bitey, bitey faces. They look very majestic <laughs> and very scary. I'm terrified of horses. And scared, and also, yeah. If they fall over once, then that's like it. They're not built well. No. You know. Yeah, be, but also, be a better animal. Be a pony. A pony's a better animal than a horse. I also, but not really. I yeah, just... but if you fall off a pony, you don't hurt yourself as much. That's true. But in terms of like their own survival, they're just like yeah. really good. No, you know who's good? Donkeys. Oh, donkeys. I love donkeys. Donkeys are the <laughs> fucking best. Donkeys are better than horses. There, I said it. They are. Yes. Fluffy, sweet. Kind of depressed. <laughs> depressed i like their little like their brain yeah very cute hardy they're quite loyal as well yeah they'll carry your shit very very strong very sturdy this is the hate thing horses are not sturdy no fragile beasts get sick of thighs horses (laughs) yeah you gotta work them quote you gotta work the quads And this is what they the horses have such large middles and there's such spindly little legs that I don't understand that. Like how are they keeping themselves up? And then you try and watch a horse sit down and it's like, why is this such so difficult for you? Googling horse trying to sit down. Like really wobbly. <laughs> oh. Like, oh fuck. Ooh ooh. <laughs> I've actually googled this and all it it's says is horses don't sit down, they sit up. Horses can't bend their rear legs and sit on the ground. It is anatomically impossible. Their weight would cause them to crash into the ground and possibly injure themselves. Exactly. Why? <laughs> why, why, would you, why would evolution create that? <laughs> why would evolution create a platypus? We don't know the questions. We don't know a the platypus answers. could sit down. <laughs> Horses just—they can run and they can chew, and that's it. They look majestic, but they but not always though. <laughs> not when they, they try to sit down. They're majestic when they try to sit down. They don't look majestic, majestic when they're like biting each other's asses for fun because that's how they socialize. Well, that's how humans animal. socialize as well. They don't bite each other's asses. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> oh. oh my god. I don't want to know how you say hello to your friends. <laughs> oh my god. Look, it's the last episode of the season. It is, it is. It's what- real, like, End of term vibes. It is in this podcast. Listen, it is it is what's happening. 
like this is this is the finale of freak show it's like throwing everything on the wall seeing what sticks and talking about evolution and horses sitting down and biting people's asses (laughs) that's what's happening let's just embrace it it's chaos yes so organize back to organized chaos bet marries dandy and they're having their little supper but twist twist the french trained cook that she had that dot has hired well the french trained cook that they have hired to cater for their wedding night is actually desiree and jimmy is the butler and the freaks capture dandy when they she said french trained is she French and trained or trained by a French person? I think probably like trained in French cuisine is what they implied. Okay. <laughs> in that France? Makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because this is like pre-Julia Child. Like the, the mainstream appeal of French cooking is not like still accessible to the public. So we can That's imagine true. that you'd have to go to France to train on in how to make and how to cook French cuisine, because Dandy's not smart. Because no, of course not. He's got money. He doesn't need to be smart. Bet and Dot have what they were living with their mother, completely isolated from society, mm-hmm. and then immediately went to a circus. Where the fuck would they have met a French trained cook? How would they know that person? <laughs> Did he not think for five seconds? Of course not. <laughs> Wait a minute. Stallions don't think, Clarice. They just bite asses. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, what do you think of the freak's execution of Dandy? Because it is an execution. I have one question I need to ask. Oh my god. Okay, wait, hold on. I'm ready. I know why... For the purposes of the show, they have to strip him down to his underwear to kill him. But in the context of the show, why do they do that? <laughs> I will not be taking questions at this time. <laughs> because It makes narrative sense, okay? It makes narrative sense. <laughs> it wasn't like... So they, they put him in the... The Hardin Houdini dunk tank. I there's a better name for it. It's, I just it's called it the right the water torture cell. Yes. Okay. The dunk tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's less dark. <laughs> um, uh, that it, I believe it was not a part of Houdini's act. Sorry, I believe that it was not a part of Houdini's act that he would strip down to his tidy whities to do it right. <laughs> Wait, oh my god, Clarice. I actually think that it was. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Cause I was I he... read about Houdini that oh my god, am I do I have a stage magic fact for you? <laughs> what is what the fuck is going on? Um I read about Houdini that he did in order to prove to everyone that he wasn't hiding the key anywhere. He would do his like escape tricks stripped down okay wait a minute what i've googled it yeah he was wearing a swimming costume 
Well, he was wearing like a or a gymnast leotard, like a. He was not in little tiny white panties to be like, "Hey, baby, welcome to the gun show. I'm gonna get myself in a dunk tank." Well, they're not like they're within the context of the story. They're not. I'm gonna defend this decision to the death. Um, they are not like yeah, because he was performing. He would have a a costume, but he would be stripped down. He wouldn't be like oh. in a suit. There but, is a picture of him in in swim trunks. It looks like yeah, because he's performing. But Dandy's not performing. They've literally like they're they're gonna kill him, so they're not gonna put him in a swimsuit. I just <laughs> okay. I I'm gonna. Um... Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, but also. <laughs> This man murdered all your friends, and you're like, mm, take your socks off. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. Well, I is... understand the explanation. I'm not sure that's why they did it in the show. Why do you think they did it in the show? <laughs> because male objectification. <laughs> I have no problem with that. They, they wanted to objectify the man. <laughs> <laughs> which we're all in support of because you know payback time um. <laughs> <laughs> and also because Finn Rock works really hard for those apps and you know what show them off babes show them off yeah not specifically payback time to Finn Whitrock no absolutely not objectifying women I'm sure but societally yeah it's time to to set the balance right but maybe not in a magic context <laughs> I think I think in a in a kind of in a freak show context though it is also that thing of well we're now objectifying you in the way that you objectified us and that everybody has objectified us as just like these quote unquote weird bodies to look at and not you know people to respect. That's fair. That's good. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's been objectifying Ben Dot so much. Yeah. So it's like well we're gonna objectify. You you it is time for the gun show <laughs> we've decided and they uh, i mean i actually really love this scene i mean thematically it's such a good closure for dandy and for the the freaks that have remained uh alive and also they do genuinely take so much pleasure in watching him die i love i love how they're all lined up and yes desiree's got the popcorn yes Otherwise, she's so casually when he's dead. Go, mm, that boy is he's a, a star. star. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful line delivery. Perfect little piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely great shot. A great shot of them as well, like from behind, watching the stage with just this water tank and Dandy's body floating in it. And you know, that's the that's the end of the freak show, really. And they killed the biggest freak of them all. Yeah, it is a great. I <laughs> I do love this scene. I was just pointing out that like I was thinking about it in universe of that decision. <laughs> I see it. But I see it that. makes sense and I do <laughs> I love this scene. I think it it's very poetic hmm. and like that's what American horror story does so well is this like a constant idea of poetic justice. So before we wrap up all the all their endings what happens to them after this we need to talk about what happens to elsa after she leaves for hollywood yes 
what does happen to Elsa in Hollywood? Like she basically yells her way into fame, right? <laughs> She goes in demanding to speak to the manager of Hollywood and make her into a star, and she fucking gets it! She yells at the receptionist, <laughs> and then the receptionist says, like, oh, um, what is it, something about Marlena? Oh, yeah, Marlena did it better. And she, she says, snaps. And she slaps across the face. She commits assault. <laughs> and then she has, she cr- cries dramatically. She kind of Karen's it out, right? Mm-hmm. And then some random executive walks by and she cries a little more. And then, boom, bidi, boom, she's famous. <laughs> yeah, she's got three Emmys. She's got three golden albums. And she married the executive, who, by the way, we need to point out, is played by David Burka, who is Neil Patrick Harris's partner. It is so cute. I love, yeah. I love that for them. Yes, they're a very cute family, and I enjoy their Instagram posts. They are like family goals. They have the most adorable children, and they do like thematic dress ups all the time on all the major I holidays. Love I love it so much. And they take them to Disneyland all the time. It's just really cute. Oh, it's fucking adorable. Anyway, so but yeah, things are not going so great because Elsa has achieved all her dreams, and yet. She's alone. She misses her freaks. She misses her little Pinocchio man. I'm sorry, but she has two dogs. What is she complaining about? <laughs> and her dogs are called Showbiz and Box Office. <laughs> and they're Spaniels. They're King Charles Spaniels. They're beautiful little dogs. Stop complaining. Well, she's never going to be happy, is she? No. This is the thing. Like very you know she got everything that she ever wanted and she's still complaining (laughs) i'm so hard on elsa i should be kinder she went through a lot of trauma (laughs) but i mean she does kind of get some bad news because as mean as she is to everyone had a hopper wink wink nudge nudge unearths that snuff film where Elsa gets mutilated. Yeah, so it's kind of a series of bad events because Massimo also visits her and tells her that he has terminal cancer and, you know, probably will not be around in the next month. We'll be dead. Um, And one thing I do really like about her characterization that makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. is that I kind of understand her dissatisfaction with being famous because she is like she is an exploiter. That's what she's been her entire life, mm-hmm. and she's always the 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 people in her freak show. She's always really infantilized them. And she's been obsessed with this idea, you know, with Pepper, with Muppety, mm-hmm. this idea of like puppy doggish, like of ownership. Um, yeah, of of um. Oh my gosh, what's the word? Love where you don't 
need it um unconditional love sorry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she's she's always been fixated on this idea of unconditional love and she she's always assumed that the people in her freak show would love her unconditionally because in such an insulting way because she saw them as less less than her so of course they would love me i'm their savior i'm their mother and and so when they betray her she you know she goes to hollywood and i think she expects the same thing mm-hmm but she realizes, you know, Hollywood has <laughs> very exposed power structures. Mm-hmm. And I think it becomes very clear to her that the the power dynamics, because she sees all, all the yes men that work for her in Hollywood. And I think a part of her brain realizes that, oh, that's what I've been my entire life. That's the same with the freak show. Mm-hmm. Is that, oh yeah, they were just yes men because I gave them, you know, <laughs> I was their economic exploiter. I mm-hmm. was the one paying their paycheck. Yeah, it was a trade-off. I, she would yeah. pay their paycheck. She would give them a living and lodgings and sort of protection to one degree or another. But then in exchange, what she demanded was not so much labor. It was love. Or, you know, a fake version of love. Just bullshit. Nobody loves their boss. (laughs) Yeah. The whole point of that relationship is that it's It's money. It's It's not about love or affection. It's exploitation of labor. (laughs) It's a business relationship. It's not an emotional relationship. Yeah. And I I think, like, that is the, the real source of her dissatisfaction in in her hollywood position Hmm. it's not so much the you know i have a daughter but now it's not enough i think it's that and i think that's why she's always been so connected to massimo is that in fact like he was she was indebted to him if we're talking about power dynamics you know she she he was kind of the one person (laughs) that she could never exploit Mm -hmm. because he saved her life he made that decision she never had the chance to manipulate him and he made the commitment and the show of love without her you know it's something pure Mm -hmm. so i think you know when he says well i'm dying that's it bada bing bada boom Uh, he doesn't say that (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm glad you clarified because you did make me doubt (laughs) bada bing bada boom i'm dying elsa (laughs) you know I think even before she finds out about the snuff film, is because she's kind of already made the decision. Yeah, and I think there's also. I actually, I don't know if she, I don't know if she makes the decision before she finds out about the snuff film and the fact that there's like no going back. The fact that this is the end of her line, like once she cannot hide. There, there is no one who is going to fix that image problem for her. And the unfortunate thing, which I think is illustrated by this, is that even though she was the victim of a terrible affair, she is still the one who is going to get vilified for it. And they bring up the, the Freak Show Massacre as well. And even though she did not do that, she is also going to get vilified for it. And I think she's, you know, very aware of that reality in that moment, in that split second moment, which is still a reality of there will be people who, even though they're the victims of a situation, will always 
bear the consequences, not just of whatever act of abuse is perp- is put upon them, but also of of um quote unquote reputational damage. Her reputation will yeah. be tainted because she was put through this ordeal. And her reputation will be and her career will be tainted because she not because she's a massive fucking dickhead, which she is, but because of these extreme situations that were not her doing. That she, you know, she's not responsible for the massacre. I mean, perhaps, you know, we could argue that she is kind of responsible for she's kind of like s- selling the freak show to Dandy Mod, like psychopath TM. But yeah, I feel like that what she is responsible for. The other thing, absolutely not. Yeah, but, but that you don't but, sell your sorry. <laughs> but that's not what they like hold against her. They hold against her the fact that she managed a freak show, not the fact that she like betrayed her family of you know her troop of freaks by selling it to the psychopath. It's just the fact that she was a part of that community that they're gonna vilify. That is that is true. So yeah, that I found very, again, one of those like emotionally resonant scenes that almost accidentally happened in HS. <laughs> but her decision to perform on Halloween obviously marks the return of hey! a I went a bit too early there. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Because like, you know, your your bay number two returns. He's back. He's back. (laughs) The gentleman from England, Sir Top Hat. (laughs) Sir Top Hat alone. Where's Bentley's finest hour? (laughs) Edward Moore Drake. Edward Moore Drake is back. (laughs) And he's not really sure why he's in Hollywood, but he's ready to do his job. And he, yeah, he, she's singing Heroes. By Bowie, yes. By Bowie for her Halloween show. Um, <laughs> he walks up and he's like, oh, wait a minute. You want to do this willingly? Nah. <laughs> That's not how we play the game in Edward Mordrake's place. <laughs> you don't just call me up like I'm some <laughs> booty call. <laughs> yeah, you don't booty call Edward Mordrake. You do not booty call Edward Mordrake. Absolutely not. You're going to heaven, girl. <laughs> That's my ultimate revenge. Which again, it's not revenge. <laughs> She's been she's been real bad in her lifetime. Yeah, but you don't booty call Edward Mordrake. <laughs> and <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. If you don't go to hell, there's not a third option. You gotta go to heaven. And ultimately she played a very clever game here. Yeah. And you know, she gets she gets a happy ending. She gets to go back to the freak show and, you know, everybody loves her unconditionally and she gets to hang out with her friend Ethel again and she gets to perform her songs in her little blue Harry Styles suit to a full (laughs) audience. Because Ethel says stars never pay. That is true. So I guess it's quite a... I guess it is intentionally meant to be a little... 
not bittersweet, but there's a little bit of like a trick at the end mm. of that. Oh, she does get away with all of it. Because she's a star. She was always a star. She was always a star. And I guess there's also a little bit of like a meta thing here because this is, well, you know, at that time, not to spoil anything in the further seasons, but this is Jessica Lang's last season. She was retiring from the show after this, after the season. So it's also a wonderful kind of send off for Jessica Lang and her final HS character. Yeah. Did they know at the time that she she didn't want to come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd announced it. She'd announced that this was going to be her last season. Oh, well, that makes sense then. Yeah. Can't end with Jessica Lange having a bad time. No, absolutely not. You sent her to heaven and you put her on a stage in beautiful white pumps. And a a teal suit. She's just got to sing Life on Mars for eternity now. (laughs) You know what? That is kind of my idea of heaven. Oh. Except it's not Jessica Lange. It's it's Harry Styles. Yeah. And Lizzo singing Under Pressure. Nice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we get a little bit of a wrap up for the rest of the characters as well. The ones who are left alive. They're all watching the Elsa Mars spooktacular. So what's going on with the rest of the freaks? Desiree! She's with her guy and she's got two adorable little kids. And I know we haven't really been doing fashion this Mm -hmm. season. But her blue suit mm. with the fur trim collar, the little capelet, yes. the little fur hat is yes. such absolute perfection. Yes. <laughs> she looks so beautiful, so good in it. And I'm just good for her. Yes. <laughs> and good for Jimmy and Dot and Dad. Yes. And and the little girl, maybe in mm-hmm. in she's pregnant. Yeah, and and because he he says are all the girls doing good, and she's like, yes, all of them, Aww. which implies that they're twins. That they're they're giving birth to. Well, I don't know. I feel like it's very vague because obviously she's referencing also Don. Mm. Yes, no, Beth. Beth. Um. But also the the child. But I think there's implication that it could be children. Mm-hmm. And it was all good. Their house is cute. Very 60s. Very cute ending for all the good characters. except TV the- dinner. Yes. Cute. Jimmy's feeling comfortable with his, with his wooden hands. Elsa's in heaven. Massimo's, well, you know. <laughs> Probably going to die Massimo soon. Is. <laughs> Where did he go when he died? Um, yeah, he should have appeared in Elsa's heaven, right? Surely he will go to Elsa's heaven. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of implied that only members of the freak show were there. Maybe it's because he's not dead yet. That's true. I'm That's hopeful. True. So. That's the end of Freak Show. Shall we do our last Freak Show categories? Yes. So what is your favorite quote of the episode? Okay, this is a really obscure one, but it made me laugh. Okay. 
when Edward Mordrake is coming in, obviously uh-huh. wherever he goes, so does the ice, <laughs> the dry ice machine. <laughs> yes. And some TV guy is like, the mist doesn't come in until the goblin sketch. <laughs> and I just want to know, goblin sketch? <laughs> Tell me more. God, that's a really good one. Um, oh wait, I have. A, can I have another? Yeah, one as yeah, well? go for it. Last. When there's a fake ad about Elsa's singles, mm-hmm. she's because she has three. Yes, she's big got, hits. Yes, albums. Three big albums. albums. Yeah. The third one is called "Merry Christmas Noodle, noodle Mouse." What's the Noodle Mouse? I don't know, but I want to know what it is. I want to call I, Noodle Mouse. <laughs> Is I anyone who's listening who is German or speaks German is a noodle mouse a thing? Is it a, a real term of affection? Because it is adorable, and I would like to start using it. Yes, I would like to be called noodle mouse. I've just googled it, and no, it is not a thing. God damn it! <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Tell tell us if it, tell us if I'm wrong. Germany, you had you had such a gift right in front of you, and you didn't take it. <laughs> Noodle Mouse. I love that one. What's your favorite? I've got two dandy ones. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> so my first top quote is when Dandy is prepping for his Cole Porter show. And we mentioned it before, where, but it's the delivery of by Finn Whitrock where he's like, I need the magenta light to accentuate my spirited rendition. Like, uh, duh. Just the biggest Veruca salt vibes. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And then when he realizes that he has been tricked by Desiree and Jimmy and Don and Bed, and just before he passes out, he just goes, You put something in my bubbly. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are his last words. Yeah. Well, not technically his last words, but I. Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, because he yeah. forgot he wakes up, of course. Yeah, but I loved if that were his last words, it would be so fucking appropriate. <laughs> and what about the Boma Bona word for horniest moment? So I know you gave a whole explanation, but it's still the decision to kill him <laughs> as tiny ladies. <laughs> I feel like everyone involved is a little bit horny at that moment. Yes. Yes. Especially especially the writers. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to say, uh, well, there's a little teeny tiny flashback to when uh, Elsa and her Hollywood executive husband are in the boudoir. And it's just a shot of David Burke on his knees in like a gold, like a diamond encrusted collar and Elsa in the back with a cane and him just going, I live to serve. <laughs> 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 that is a good I forgot about that that's a great great choice and what about big feels for big drama I feel like Paul Paul's Paul's put down of oh yes perfect yes big, excellent big feels you're boring and we don't trade in boring amazing love it and i think also elsa is essentially committing suicide via 
performance. Committing suicide via 18th century ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is, what a way to go. Yes, I mean, you know, peak dramatic bitch. Yeah. And who wins in this episode of Paulson v. Paulson? Well, they kind of both win. But I guess Dot. Because she marries Jimmy. She marries Jimmy. Yeah. And Beth's probably still kicking herself a little bit about the dandy stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she still seems pretty happy. She's got a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love that they lead it for a kiss and she's like, I'm just going to look through the TV guide. (laughs) Just... <laughs> just gonna be looking at magazines for the rest of her life well it could be worse it could be worse and did you pick up on any cinematic references this week no well i don't know if this is just because it's jessica lang mm-hmm. the ending when she goes into the circus and everyone's there to see her reminded me a lot of the ending of big fish oh you know when yeah they take albert finney down to the river and it's like everybody's there Mm -hmm. and it sort of logically does not make any sense because it's more about his it's also very titanic it is very titanic (laughs) (laughs) yes that's a good point So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about Titanic now. <laughs> <laughs> right when you did the staircase. Yes. And and when, like, you know, Leo in Titanic extends his hand to Rose, um, Kate Winslet's character, she, like, goes back to being young. And it's the yeah. same with Ethel. It's like, there's Ethel, like, hey, Elsa, buddy. Gonna hang out forever. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. <laughs> she she throws the heart of the sea into the ocean. So I've just re- I haven't seen Titanic for a long time, but I'm just like remembering the ending now. <laughs> Me either. And what about historic? And what about insensitive historical references this week? Did you pick up on any? Had a hopper. Oh yes, I thought you might. <laughs> Which is the famous mm-hmm. um, American gossip columnist with her also famous rivalry with Luella Parsons. Um I it's interesting because she has been portrayed on film quite a few times. Yes, she has. Already in well, I guess after this, she was portrayed by Judy Davis in Feud mm-hmm. uh with Jessica Lang. Yes. Uh Tilda Swinton played a version of her in Hail Caesar. She played Thora and Thessaly Thacker, who were the twin sisters, which was a reference to, to Hedda and Luella because they're mm-hmm. both rivals. They're both trying to find out whether Alden Ehrenreich's getting with that lady. I knew I could get a reference to him into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helen Mirren played her in 2015's Trumbo. Remember that was yes, a movie? Yes, I remember that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Linville played her in in a, a, the television film James Dean. Um, who was wait? There's so many. Uh, Fiona Shaw played her in RKO two eight one, which is about the making of Citizen Kane. 
Um, and there's also a movie called Ma- I don't know about this. There's a movie called Malice in Wonderland that came out in 1985, where Jane Alexander played Hopper and Elizabeth Taylor played Luella Parsons. Yes, I did know about this because um, Karina Longworth has just started another season of her podcast, You Must Remember This, and it's called Gossip Girls. Fucking great title, by the way. And it's all about Hedda Hopper and Luella Parsons. And in the first episode, which was released last, uh, which was released recently, she talks about the cinematic portrayals of these, these famous, like, power players of gossip. And she mentioned the Elizabeth Taylor film, which I'd never heard of before, and I now am desperate to watch. I'm looking at the cover, and they're both wearing very large hats. I mean, that's always a good thing, right? (laughs) If anyone is interested in Hedda Hopper and the power that she wielded in Hollywood and her history and stuff, the the Karina Longworth podcast has just started, and it's always extremely well-researched. Does she get a reference to Alden Ehrenreich in it, though? She does not, so you win. I I always win. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, who who is the final MVP of this last episode of American Horror Story Freak Show? I mean, Elsa, because she really (laughs) should not have gotten away with it, but she did. Yeah, because... Stars never pay. Stars never pay. That's it for our recap, our rewatch of Freak Show. Yeah, well, we got we'll we'll have our Freak Show awards. I'm yes. sure Dandy will sweep it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we? What should we call them? Shall we call them the Freakies, the Dandies, the Dandies, the Dandies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we will have that episode next Wednesday, but. In the meantime, send us your thoughts, your impressions of Freak Show. Who is your favorite? Who is your least favorite? Send us all of it. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on the Next Supremes pod. Also, I am at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. Stay tuned for the Dandy, sponsored by the Mott Frozen Goods Company. Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> Also, we did not talk about this, and I feel so embarrassed by it, um, but not embarrassed enough to not mention it on the record. The close-up shots of Dandy putting on stage makeup just before he kills everyone. <laughs> His uh, Finn Bittrock's eyes are so beautiful and so great. I can't bear it. I was thinking, you know, they just announced Daddy Redmayne for the MC and the new cabaret production. No, no. No. Hello, Finn would be he looked great in the he's kind of wearing the MC MC MC. He was and also oh my god, now that's make me so fucking mad. Eddie Redmayne has the MC in cap No, no. Okay, you're gonna hate me, but low-key I kind of dig it. No Because Jupiter ascending. Okay, fu- okay, that's a good point. Like, you know, he, he can be weird. If you make him be weird, you just gotta make him be weird. I know, but I feel like he's not gonna go full weird like the role demands because now he's like Oscar Award winner Eddie Redmayne. You know what I mean? That's true. Like, he, he's too big now to go full weird. It's like, Benedict Cumberbatch is so good at comedy, but he's not gonna go to 
the you know comedic extremes that he would he went to in his early roles like he's not gonna do starter for 10 again because he's a leading man now that's true he they gotta get they have to be like dropped from their franchise roles and then they'll do it andrew garfield and just become really interesting yes or like jake gyllenhaal who does all of his like super serious leading man roles and then also really embraces the weird ones and when he gets a weird role he goes like dials it up to like 17 the sweatiest man ever in okja <laughs> never seen a man sweatier <laughs> okay now i just have to go and think about that <laughs> also i can't believe it that we got a there was a whole scene with uh, David Bowie's Heroes and I didn't mention Jojo Rabbit once. Congratulations. Congratulations to me. It's called growth. <laughs> it's called not being obsessively on brand all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were written by the writer's room of American Horror Story. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Until the goblins get me.